Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. I'm Robert Rutherford. And I'm Andrew Orvidal. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. The show takes place on the third Thursday of every month at the Deer Pile in Denver, Colorado. These stories were taken from a show that was recorded on January 17th. 2013, the theme of the show was Adults Only. Her pen name when she wrote for the Donnybrook Writing Academy was The Cap and Colleen. So you can go to Donnybrook Writing Academy and look her up and read her stuff. Most of it is just as relevant today as it was when it was written, but please join me in welcoming uh, Colleen Leggett. Thank you. I didn't realize my blogging was timeless. It's good. Timeless. <laughs> so, the first time that my mother told me she didn't want me to grow up to be easy, I was seven years old, <laughs> and I had no idea what she was talking about. Um, the night before at family dinner, my older brother had asked her what seemed like not a very controversial question. Um, he wanted to put a Nicole Eggert poster on his wall. And this was Charles in Charge Nicole, not Baywatch Nicole. So there wasn't really anything, you know, scandalous about it. But my mother was really upset. <laughs> and my mother was a loving, cuddly, terrifying Baptist mother. And so when Brian asked her about this poster, she just kind of looked at him and said, absolutely not. And he deflected to me and said, well, Colleen has a crush on Joey Lawrence. And <laughs> and I did. I did. Um, but I didn't know that I was supposed to feel bad about that yet. Um, and then the next day when my mom picked me up from daycare, we were driving in the car and she said, you are too young to have those feelings. And again, I was a good kid, and I was, like, really scared of my mom. And so just to make sure all my bases were covered, I asked her when I would be old enough to have those feelings. And she said, when you're ready to get married. <laughs> so <laughs> I tried like hell to stop liking boys, but you can't actually will yourself not to be attracted to people. And it just made the whole problem worse. Like, it was all I could think about all the time. And I started going into the library during recess and ripping the posters out of the school copies of Tiger Beat. <laughs> and I would take them home and hide them in various places around my room so that if she found a few of them, she wouldn't find all of them at once. <laughs> and when I knew my parents were busy doing whatever they were doing, probably praying, a lot of praying, um, <laughs> I would find my stash of teen heartthrobs and I would just stare at them longingly. It was like the soft focus pictures of Jonathan Taylor Thomas and, and Ryder Strong in a leather jacket with the, the collar popped, you know, and the whole cast of the Mighty Ducks, all of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but all of this hiding just made me feel like I had something horribly dirty inside of me. Like I was some kind of horror trapped inside a virgin's body. And I didn't know how to make it stop. And I cried and I prayed and I wrote self-loathing poems in my journal. But nothing could make the lust monster die. I tried. <laughs> and fortunately, 
for me, I guess, unfortunately, my mother was very overprotective. And so there weren't a lot of opportunities for me to actually explore these hormonal urges with real human beings my own age. But still, every opportunity I had to hold hands in the backseat of the church van or kiss somebody in the really dark corner of the skating rink, I was all over that. And terrified that my mom would ever find out. Because the older that I got, the more often I got these lectures about the dangers of being slutty or just as bad people thinking that you're slutty, whether you are or not. And so what ended up happening was my sophomore year in high school, I went to this guy's house. His name was Adam Howard, and he was super cute. And it was there in the room above his parents' garage on this smelly orange couch that I found myself in the throes of my first real makeout session. And he was on top of me, and it was awkward and really slobbery, and in hindsight, pretty gross, actually. But I was so excited. And then it happened. He touched my boob. It was this one, and it was... <laughs> It was over the bra, but under the shirt, and I lost my shit because I felt like this sex beast was taking over my body, but in my head, all I could hear was my mom's voice on a loop talking about eternal damnation and bad reputations and these really unflattering metaphors about unpurchased cows and free milk. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I cut that shit out and I left as fast as I could and I went home and I took a scalding hot shower that I was really hoping would wash away all of my sin and I promised that I was never going to kiss again until I was married because I clearly couldn't handle it. <laughs> so for my last two and a half years of high school, all I did all the time was think and read and talk about sexual purity. It made me very, very socially awkward. And people got really tired of me lecturing them about Jesus' forgiveness all the time. But at the same time, I was not destroying library property <laughs> or, God forbid, <laughs> getting groped. So I was going to take it. Um, and then I, I left for college uh, with my chastity ring securely on my finger uh, and it was actually my fifth chastity ring my mom kept having to buy a new one every few months because I was somehow breaking them and this phenomenon terrified us both <laughs> so she would just buy me another one every time and Christian college it turned out um, was a lot like church camp so I loved it for a little while it was awesome and then being 1,800 miles away from my mother for the first time in my life and being so far from all of her rules had this really unexpected consequence. I had started thinking for myself, and I was not at an academic institution that actually encouraged thinking for yourself. So I decided that I needed to find some way to get off campus, and I didn't have a car, and I didn't know anyone who didn't go to school with me, and so the logical option, I guess, was um, internet dating. And internet dating is actually not a logical option when you're really naive and have never been on a date before <laughs> and are also kind of afraid to be alone with a man. But it's what I did. And pretty soon I had my first real boyfriend and he was older and had a career and being with him made me feel really grown up. Except that I wasn't. I was 19 and living off my daddy's credit card at a school that had a whole lot of rules. Fewer rules than my mother, but still kind of a lot of rules. <laughs> and as I fell in love with him, I found these boundaries of mine 
start to they started to kind of evolve and to flex and I had told him that I was a virgin and that I was going to stay one absolutely for sure until marriage and he was okay with that and he said he wouldn't pressure me and he didn't he never pressured me but I started to change my mind and this time instead of being terrified it actually felt pretty healthy and good and so I wasn't racked with guilt the first time he touched my boob <laughs> and <laughs> I wasn't thinking about fire and brimstone the first time I saw his dick, which was also good. And, <laughs> but I kept insisting, like, even, even though I thought about it, I was like, absolutely not. We're not going to have sex. And I had come to realize that my mom was being a little overdramatic with the perils of giving into your hormones. But it turned out that she was kind of right about the reputation thing. Because while I was doing all this exploration, my roommates had decided that there was absolutely no way that I was still a virgin. And gossip spreads fast at Christian college because, like, one person mentions your name in a prayer group, and then suddenly everybody knows everything. <laughs> and so the first day of finals week, at the end of my freshman year, I get called into the dean's office, and she tells me that she knows that I'm having sex. And I was like, you can't prove it because I'm actually not. <laughs> Still a virgin, I promise. And she said that she didn't have to prove it because I had overlooked this clause in the sexual misconduct policy saying that you can't put yourself in a situation where you might be tempted to break the sexual misconduct policy, which is clearly a trap. <laughs> but I also knew that I couldn't talk myself out of it. So I listened to her sermon and then she told me that I was an adult now because I was in college. And she said that because I was an adult, I needed to take responsibility for my actions and that she had sent a letter to my mother because I was an adult. And <laughs> that might have been the single most terrifying moment of my life. And so I called my mom so that at least she could hear it from me. And she was angry, but at that point I was freaked out and really feeling betrayed and hurt. And so she was, you know, a good mom and she cared more about that than my supposed deflowering. And I ended up getting some faculty members on my side so they couldn't actually expel me. They just told me I had to move off campus so that no one would know what I was up to. <laughs> and that's what I did. And I also fucked my boyfriend because after telling everyone, <laughs> after insisting to everyone that I knew that I was not having sex, I realized that I totally wanted to have sex. <laughs> and. And that's what I did. And I thought that I thought that finally having sex would kind of clear up this war that had been going on inside of me for as long as I could remember. But then it turned out that my boyfriend went all like season two Buffy and turned into a monster after we did it. <laughs> and I found out that a lot of those girls at Christian school who were so concerned about the status of my hymen were actually taking it in the ass so they could still be pussy virgins when they got married. Really, the, the whole thing left me with more questions than answers, <laughs> really. But I still look on that first time with fondness, not because the sex was good, because it was pretty horrible, actually, and not because I, it freed me from all of this shame and guilt that I had been carrying for so long, because that took a lot of therapy, actually. Um, but because it was the first time in my life that I trusted myself to make a decision for me, just because I wanted to. And for that, I think of it as the moment that I became an adult.
Now, this is a rare event. Like, generally, we do not have the same people back month to month. But this next storyteller was here last month, and after the show, we got to talking about the theme for this month, and he sort of hinted at what the story he could tell, and I was like, fuck, you have to come back. Uh, and he's here. Uh, he is one of the, he runs, he helps run uh, Denver Zine Library, which you should check out. And he has a zine that he writes called Short and Queer. Please give it up for back-to-back storyteller, Kelly Short and Queer. (laughs) So tonight I want to tell a story about an ex. And I want to assure you that we did have good sex. But I'm going to tell you about an awkward night. Not the time that he accidentally came in my left nostril. (laughs) Or the time that I accidentally headbutted him in the face, denied it, and then he made me look in the mirror at the welt. (laughs) And then I believed it. (laughs) Um, But this was a night where he was having a fundraiser at his house. His family was there, other people in the community were there, And his grandma and I got along really well. I loved her so much, and she could drink. So throughout the night, we were drinking red wine, and I would drink mine, and she would come over and fill it up. And hers was empty, so I'd drink mine again, and she would come over and fill it up. The thing I didn't realize is she had many, many, many years of experience. And so I was having a great time. Suddenly, everyone was leaving, um, and then some, uh, we were hanging out for a little bit. Some of his friends decided to hang out, and we had to go pick up his dog at my house um, because he was a little skittish around other people. But we decided to stop at KFC on the way. I love KFC. I'm eating chicken. I'm eating biscuits. I knock my soda off the table. I was having a great time. So we get back to his house, and I say, I'm going to go to the bathroom. So I go, and I'm standing in the bathroom, and he comes in, and I'm standing over the sink going, So he puts his arm around me and says, are you going to throw up? No. Keep in mind, the toilet is about this far from me. And I wouldn't say that I threw up. I opened my mouth, and out it came. (laughs) Mortified, I realized a few things. One, we've been dating for about a month. (laughs) Two, I don't chew my food. (laughs) So I embarrassingly shove him out of the bathroom and slam the door shut. He's banging on the door saying, please open the door, please open the door. What if you pass out and I can't get in? So I do a little negotiating. You have to swear you will not open this door. I swear I won't open the door, just please unlock it. He hears the click, he leaves me alone. So now I'm staring at a sink full of wine soup. It's not that like chunky puke, it's basically wine 
with chunks of chicken and biscuits in it. And it is not going down. So I start picking out pieces. Three fingers at a time and putting it into the toilet. When I hear the door open, I'm elbow deep. And I look up. He was taller than me. And he says, why don't you use that cup right there? So I push him out, slam the door, and I start scooping. And I'm doing a good job. But you know when it gets down to the very bottom and nothing else fits in the cup anymore? So I'm kind of scraping. And you know, at this point, it doesn't matter because you're in it. So I get it, and I'm like pretty much done. And he comes back, and I'm proud of myself. And I'm like, do you have any cleaning supplies? And so you know, I, we turn on the faucet. It's still not kind of going down. So I decide to be a plumber. So I think, oh. Under the sink, there's that little U-tube. So I think, I'm, I'm just going to empty that out. So it was plastic, and you can just unscrew it. So I get down there, and he says, hang on a second. And he gets a towel and puts it down. I'm like, thank you. I am still wasted. And I'm unscrewing. And I take, you know, as soon as it comes off, there's the, you know, whatever's up in there. And I take it, and I, he's watching me as I very victoriously dump out what was once mine <laughs> into the toilet. And so before I put it on, I realized there's a piece of hair sticking out of the, where were you all when I needed you? <laughs> so I think, oh, here, let me get that. And I get one hair and a, a few more hairs. And then suddenly there's a wad, and I'm like, yeah, I'm getting it. <laughs> I push him out of the door, slam it. But this time I was left with the cleaning supplies. So I later had told him that wasn't mine. <laughs> but I clean everything up. He's like, you need to get a shower. I'm like, OK, you get a shower. So I take a shower. Now his friends are still there in the living room which I later find out he keeps going and giving updates to throughout this. You know, there's the elbow, and then there's the cup. and <laughs> So I get out of the shower, and he comes in to put me to bed. But I think it's sexy time. <laughs> I get down on my hands and knees on the edge of the bed, look over my shoulder and go, come on. <laughs> he looks at me and I go, come on. <laughs> he then points at the open door and says, my friends can see you. <laughs> I reluctantly go to bed. And I will say, after he went, had some drinks with his friends, they went home, he came and woke me up, and we did have some sexy time. Thank you. Kelly Short and Queer.
The Narrators Podcast is recorded and produced by the Denver Diatribe. Check out their weekly show at denverdiatribe.com. The Narrators Podcast is brought to you by these amazing sponsors. The great guys at Illegal Pete's and Greater Than Records, who in addition to providing rad burritos all over town, provide great local music and comedy. Check out the appropriately named Sexy Pizza at either of their locations in Capitol Hill or Old South Pearl or on their website, sexypizzaonline.com. And finally, by the internet superheroes at Commerce Kitchen, who provide internet marketing solutions and search engine optimization for all your e-commerce needs. Check them out at commercekitchen.com. For more information about the narrators and to listen to past episodes, go to the narratorspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>